to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories. From breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings, it's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. That's M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also really love hearing from you. So please do contact me through Instagram at Mumsdays with any of your stories really and, and, you know, how you relate to the episode or even questions that you may want answering. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After. It's me, Hannah. And today I'm joined by someone who is as synonymous with lockdown as PE with Joe. <laughs> it's Rob Biddulph. Hi, Rob. Hi, hi. It's funny you should say that about Joe because um, you're right. You're totally right. I mean, everyone would do PE with Joe at nine and then draw with Rob at 10. And I actually, a couple of years ago, I was doing the, where was it? The Bath Literary Festival. And Joe and I were on kind of consecutively. So I got to meet him. Oh, in the my green God. Room. Was really fun. We were like, we should have been on, you know, payroll, school payroll, because we were like doing childcare every morning. In a, you in really a were. Yeah. But he's, like, he's such a nice guy. Such a nice guy. And um, yeah, well, we took part in your the largest online art lesson. Do you still oh, yeah. hold that record? I do. As far as I know, at least I do. I don't think anyone's broken it yet. Um, and I still see, you know, I do my live events now and kids bring their folders full of all the drawings that they did with me during lockdown. And they've all, yeah, they've got their world record T-shirts that they got and their certificates that I signed for them and everything. So it's still a, it still kind of looms large, I think, in people's lockdown memory, particularly the the world record whale drawing. And I love, I love to see it. There's still a few when I go on the dog walk with my dog. I, um, I still see a few kind of, they're quite yellowed now, but still see a few of the kind of the whale drawings in people's windows and things really? so it's really lovely wow and so why did you start all that well it was literally it was a <laughs> i can't tell you how first of all i can't tell you how surreal the whole draw with rob phenomenon has been for me right because this is literally i'll tell you how it happened it was a sunday night i was sitting on the sofa watching the news with my wife and they said on the news, so this was back in, what, March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And they said, right, we're going to close the schools next week. Uh, and so I was, my first thought was, right, there's going to be lots of children at home looking for things to do. You know, young children, my age group, the, the kids that read my books, you know, kind of key stage one kids. They're going to be stuck at home looking for things to do. A- actually, what I thought was there's going to be lots of parents <laughs> of key stage one kids looking for things to give their children to do while they're at home. And I thought, well, I can help here. At my live events, I always do a draw-along of one of my characters. I've even done some video draw-alongs before and, you know, a few years previously. And I thought, what I'll do, I'll just draw, I'll just video myself drawing one of my characters, like, you know, maybe a couple of times a week. And it might keep kids busy for an hour or two, you know, in that week. So that was the Sunday. The Monday, I recorded the first video. Tuesday, I put it up on YouTube. And... I'm not joking, on the Wednesday, so many thousands of people have watched this video that I was on news at 10 that night. It was, I can't tell you how surreal it was. And I just started getting sent, you know, thousands and thousands of pictures of children holding up their drawings. And it was amazing, it was really amazing. Because you remember what it was like. It was quite, 
it's a very uncertain time. There was lots of anxiety around. Um, but my social media feeds just sort of became these, this kind of um, like, you know, this joyous oasis of happy pictures in this kind of desert of despair and worry. You know, I was getting sent these lovely pictures of children drawing and happy parents who were actually sitting down and drawing with their kids for the first time in in years because they had time to do it and so it just became it just got bigger and bigger and bigger this thing and um yeah it became a bit of a runaway train actually i was just trying to do as many do as many videos as i could during that first couple of years of lockdown but it's great i love the it first couple of years <laughs> yeah oh, I'm, still doing them now. I'm still doing the videos now you know not 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 as a regularly you know i do one every month month or six weeks or something like that and yeah. i still get thousands of people watching them and i get sent pictures every single day i get sent i get sent quite a few drawings from kids still so um it's that's what i really love because i think it sort of started this uh, reawakening reawakening really in children about the simple pleasures in life you don't have to sit in front of a screen all the time you know you, well, although that being said you I'm do if you want to do your thing yeah, i am on the screen <laughs> But, but, you know, they're actually doing something with their with their hands and they're making, you know, they're starting with a blank sheet of paper and ending up with a drawing that they're proud of. And I, and I feel really, I feel very proud of the fact that they're doing that, you know. Yeah, great. I think you should be. I was, um, we used to cover the whole table with, because at the time my daughter was like 18 months old, so I'd cover the whole table with, with paper oh, and then we'd all I sit down sent, and have Yeah, a, you sent yeah. me a picture actually, it's great. Yeah, 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 I saw and that, I was yeah. like, oh my God, I can draw. I know. And it looks that's like the rocks. Thing. Well, that, well, that's the thing. Everyone, you know, so many people, all of my, when I do festivals and things, I say, how many people don't think they're very good at drawing? All these hands go up. And I say, well, that's, why do you think that? There's no, drawing's not like maths, right? There's no right or wrong answer with drawing. It's just all about, it's subjective drawing. You know, and if you look at some, you look at the great artists, if you go to the Tate Modern or something, you'll see so many different styles. You know, yes, you see the Renaissance art, which is photorealistic, beautifully you know rendered paintings but you also see all the kind of impressionist stuff which is much more just about translating what the artist is feeling inside and putting it onto a piece of paper or a piece of canvas and and that's what we can all do that you know everyone everyone can draw i honestly do believe that you know it, it i think a lot of it is about confidence which is where with the draw with rob stuff i come in because we do us you know the step-by-step -step drawing and then by the end of it everybody has got something that maybe they didn't think they would be able to do because we've broken it down into bite-sized pieces. But then mm -hmm. thereafter, especially with children, they kind of go off and they do their own drawings using some of the things, you know, the techniques that they've learned with me, but then they do their, they invent their own characters and stuff. And that's what I really, really love. But I'm sure your drawings were, were fabulous. Thanks, they were. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did, I really enjoyed doing it. Um, oh. And something I noticed with my son is he, he feels like he hates art. Right. Or at least he did around that period. And then just little bits of, you know, trying a few different things. Because it's definitely confidence and the feeling like you have something that you'd even want to put onto paper that's mm. worthwhile. So just breaking down the the barrier to actually putting a pencil onto paper is huge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one thing that happens as children get older, when they get to sort of about nine or ten, there's usually somebody in their class who is, you know, a good drawer and I think therefore it's you know they children even at that young an age they sort of apply labels to themselves and they they, they tell themselves actually I'm rough I can't draw mm -hmm. and then they just really they stop sort of about nine ten they sort of stop really drawing 
for pleasure, which is, you know, if you if you see four or five-year-olds, they just pick up a crayon, they don't care, they just draw and they just love it and they don't care really what the picture looks like. But as they get older and more self-aware and self-critical, that's when they stop. And I think, think that's a real shame. You know, I was having lots of adults were joining in with me during lockdown saying, this is the first time I've picked up a pencil since I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. And they're really loving it again because it's about confidence and self-expression and not feeling too um too uh just too critical of yourself you know yeah. just being kind of letting yourself kind of express whatever you're feeling inside and sticking it down on a piece of paper mm-hmm. so i think that's really really important yeah i totally agree i feel like um so it's been a few years since i read peanut jones and i remember that being a theme at the beginning of the first book yeah yeah, it's, uh, I actually wrote it before lockdown. I actually Did wrote you? the first, first book was before um, the first lockdown. But yeah, there's so many of the themes in that book have kind of played out over lockdown, really, about the importance of art and expressing yourself and, you know, conf- confidence in uh, in your ability to express yourself too. Um, yeah, but the, the, re- the reason I started writing the Peanut Jones book, so basically you write, well, I do anyway, you kind of write from my own experience on kind of what things that happen to me, that's what they often make their way into my books. Mm-hmm. And the Peanut thing started with um, when my youngest daughter, Poppy, was first starting at school proper after nursery. She was really, really nervous about staying at school for lunch. It, you know, You know what kids are like, you know, it becomes, they get obsessed with certain details. So she was kind of fine with doing, you know, staying at school to do her maths and English and all that stuff. But she was really worried about lunchtime because up until then, I think she'd always come home for her lunch. So I decided on day one of school, I would draw her a little picture on a post-it note and hide it in her lunchbox. So that when it got to lunchtime, she was feeling worried. There'd be a little message, a little picture and a message saying, hi, Poppy, from Dad, you know, make her feel better. And she came home from school after day one. She said, Dad, I loved it. What, what are you going to draw for me tomorrow? Oh no. Okay, I'm doing it again. Okay, so I did one the next day. The next day she came home and said, Oh, I, not only did I love it, but all of my friends and all of the teachers at school, they all want to know what you're going to draw tomorrow. So I was like, Oh my God. So then I drew the next day and the next day and the next day. And do you know what? I ended up doing a drawing every single day that she was at primary school for Whoa. seven years. Right. So I did, ended That's up like doing Elf on the Shelf gone crazy. It was, there was two and a half, I've done two and a half thousand of these drawings. If, if your listeners want to, if you just um, search hashtag pack lunch post it, you will see, you know, the madness in full effect because it's crazy. And I was sort of, at one point, it went a bit viral. There was a weird thing. Ashton Kutcher, right, re- somehow saw it somewhere and retweeted it <laughs> and it just went it mad. I was, um, I was interviewed on ABC News about it and so, you know, it just went properly viral. Another thing that went a bit viral. And so, because there, there was so many people seeing, I was really putting effort in. <laughs> I was really trying to make, because I was posting them on my socials by this point. Yeah. And so you'll see, you'll see, I mean, there was, the difficult thing was trying to think of things to draw every day. Because <laughs> after about one half term, I'd drawn every single children's character I could think of. So I used to do themes. So I remember one term I did, like, the great artists. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, because, you know, what happens is you sort of forget to do the drawing. Right. And so you remember at half past 11 at night before you go to bed and you're like, oh, no. So I'm drawing, you know, the Mona Lisa on a post-it note <laughs> half past 11 at night. But anyway, but anyway, I digress because that's where the idea came from. Because often 
these little things that happen in my life, you think, well, I know there's a story. In, that's, a, that's a potential mm-hmm. for a bigger story that I can write, in this case, a novel about. And um, so that's, 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 that's how the Peanuts stories start too. You know, she's got a dad who does the same thing for her, but in the story, you know, her dad has mysteriously disappeared mm-hmm. and uh, there's a magic pencil where, you know, whatever you draw with this pencil becomes real. So, of course, one day she draws a door with this magic pencil and it becomes real and she finds herself in an illustrated world and yada 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 you know this the whole story sort of comes out so you have your seed of an idea and yours was the post-it notes yeah that was the post-its and then everything comes out of that before you know it yeah i've written three novels about it so um yeah that's how that's how these these things start at least with me anyway you know yeah i was going to ask you about that with um our dog out but we'll come to that because the first thing i was going to say is you're like super prolific You've got so. three books out this month. <laughs> yeah, I have. That is true. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, what, you didn't I mean, write them all at the same time. They just happened to be no, out yeah. at the same time. Yeah, that, well, I'll tell you what that is. Because um, in uh, children's book world, and probably in all the book world, of course, the autumn, September is prime publishing time because... Yeah. Christmas is around the corner and gifting and all that kind of stuff. That's why I'm, you know, I go on tour in autumn. You know, I'm like, at the moment, I'm in the middle of this tour where I, every single weekend between now and I think the middle of November, I'm doing a different book festival somewhere. Well, in I have country. noticed you are busier than Beyonce touring. <laughs> than Beyonce. My show, live show is very similar to Beyonce. Well, I thought slightly it might be. Less, slightly less dancing and singing, <laughs> but hey. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm prolific. I mean, my background... Prior to doing this, I had like a 20-year career uh, working in magazines and newspapers. I was an art director, so I designed, you know, the NME and Just 17. I don't know if you remember Just 17 magazine. I remember I was, it well. I was the art director on that and um, wow. the Observer the Observer as well. And so I think I'm quite good at deadlines. I think I've had this training where you hit, you have to hit your print deadlines if you're doing a magazine or a newspaper, right? And so I think my publishers seem to love me because I've, I'm bang, bang, bang. I hit these deadlines, and because I'm quite efficient and quite fast, I think they thanks to ten thousand post-it notes. Yeah, thanks. Uh, the ten. Thank God I finished the post-it notes now. She's oh, that's finished nice. the I don't do that. Anymore. But uh, yeah, I think because I'm quite efficient, my publisher tends they they sort of tend to rinse me a bit. And they get yeah. me to do lots of books, which I like to. I like to be busy, and I love you know it's nice. You know, my books are different. I do picture books. I do the novels and I also do the activity books so they're all quite varied and you use slightly different parts of your brain for each one but I am you're right I do have a lot and they all seem to come out around the same time but I do have a lot I think four books most years I'll be publishing four books and maybe illustrating a few bits and pieces for other people too as well as doing you know the touring and the draw yeah. videos so I have a busy year but I love it that's the way I like I like it to be um so I don't know whether you met James, but um, you know that I used to work at The Bound in, sorry, I should say Forum Books in Corbridge. Forum Books. So I you hung out with Helen there. once and did a did. school tour. I did, had a day with Helen, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and so when I was chatting to James, who runs The Bound, who's the manager at The Bound, in fact, you, mm. he would have been at Forum when you came up, Yeah. and he was like, ask Rob if there's anything he missed from journalism. Um, I, I miss, bet it was wild uh, in the 90s. It, it, I tell you what, I'm sorry, it's Ringo, my dog is behind me, he's scratching around and making a oh. noise, so I can hear scratching around, it's not me sort of, you know, it's the dog scratching, what are you doing? Behave yourself. 
Um, do I miss anything from journalism? Yeah, in the uh, when I my first job was just seventeen, which was really fun. I met my wife there actually. Yeah. She was the editor. Um, but that was a really fun job in the enemy when I was the art director on the enemy and sort of from about two thousand to two thousand five ish. Uh, that was really fun. That was like going back to uni really because it was a uh, you know there was you can go to a different gig every night and there was always cool parties and stuff to go to. Um, it was it was really fun back then. And then I went to the Observer, which was much more kind of growing up and serious. But you were working with you know the best writers and photographers in the world, really, and doing really amazing, you know, long form pieces and that kind of thing. Um, and so I do miss it. I do miss, especially at the Observer. You the week every you know obviously out every Sunday. So there was a nice routine to it. You know the years you would you could break the years up by you know Christmas gift guides and then fashion weeks and then you know summer holiday guides and that kind of thing and you would hit your marks every year but um and I miss the people that's what I miss because now I'm on my you know I'm here yeah. in my little studio on my own for half the time and the rest of the time I'm sort of out touring so I've got a nice mix now but I do miss you know the Monday morning around the coffee machine sort of gossiping about whatever's happened over the weekend you know I miss I miss that um and you know the bite print print journalism people unfortunately you know when I first started you know the magazine could sell that hundreds of thousands of copies in the newspapers everyone was reading newspapers and now it's just not the world's changed hasn't it right I mean I hardly read a newspaper ever anymore I read online you know that's what yeah. we do and so it went from being a really really exciting place to work to being somewhere where you were slightly worried about your job at all times because they could close a magazine or a newspaper at any point um but that's not why I started doing children's books that was more I just had this I think I just had this creative impulse to be doing something that's coming from me because mm -hmm. when you work on newspapers and magazines you're part of a team which is great there's loads of loads of great, great things about that but you know I just wanted to I had I had ideas and I had things that I wanted to do from me and making children's books actually is a really uh a really satisfying outlet for a creative person I think I often say it's a bit like being you know making a picture book especially is, a, is like making a film in lots of ways you know I get to write the script and I get to cast this film and I work on the plot and I get to do you know the lighting and that kind of thing and pretty much I do it all myself because I write and illustrate and I design the book and what I do pretty much makes it straight through onto a bookshelf and into you know thousands of people's hands and and that's quite I think that's quite a rare thing for a creative person really so I just found I decided I did a bit of children's illustration at uni and I thought you know what I'm gonna have to go write a kid's book and um and then the rest is history you know that was that was my first book nearly came out nearly 10 years ago now and uh, and here I am yeah that's a long, my answers are very long-winded, aren't they? I'm really sorry. No, it's really lovely. I'm like really enjoying hearing what you've got to say. Because I could never predict what you're going to say. So it's really interesting. Because yeah. I was going to ask you, like, why do you do what you do? And I guess it's come from that seed. But I guess what's actually happened is still a surprise. Like, even when you start a book, you don't know when you first yeah, start yeah. what's going to happen. Well... Well, going right back to the beginning, I guess the reason I, the reason I made a, a very deliberate and conscious decision to try and get a children's book published is because of, I was reading lots of books to my own children, mm -hmm. bedtime stories. And that's what it kind of was. I had a bit of an epiphany 
I said earlier, they're such lovely things to make, and they really are work. You know, some of them are proper works of art. Yeah. And I just had this epiphany, and was like, this is such a nice thing to do. I'm really going to have a go at doing it. And um, and but it did take. I mean, it did take me a lot. I didn't realize how competitive that world is. You know, you. I'm sure you know people who've tried to write children's books and maybe not been published maybe some people have been published but it's unbelievably competitive it took me five years to get my first book published and um I got an agent straight away I got in the room with every big publisher in London you know almost immediately so I knew I was good enough but I just could not get that first book over the line because it's so competitive and I really didn't realize that and eventually you know it was one of those things. My first book was called Blown Away, which was about a little penguin who flew a kite, just got blown away across the sea. And that came about very quickly, purely by chance. I was taking other books around to publishers and two or three publishers happened to, happened to spot this little drawing I'd done of a penguin on a, in my portfolio that I can't even really remember doing. And they said, we love that character. Can you come up with a story for him? So I did and wrote it in about a week. And that's when I finally got book offers, you know, the book contract offers. And I signed a three book deal with HarperCollins. And then once you're on the conveyor belt, once you're over that first hump, you're kind of away. As long as your book, as long as your books are good and people like your books, you're kind of, you're kind of away. But it did, um, yeah, it did take a long time. And so I, I have loads, of, I have lots of people now, friends of friends or friends on Facebook or people just send me emails with their, their, their children's books you know so if you think about it virtually every illustrator that's been to our college has tried to illustrate a children's book at one point and um you know as i said i know lots of people who try to particularly picture books try to write picture books and um and that's when you realize just how competitive this world is because it's i mean it is a lovely thing to do and i feel i feel super lucky to be doing it full time you know this is my job mm -hmm. um the vast majority of even published children's authors you know they have there's something they do in their spare time because it's very hard to make enough money to make a make it your kind of full-time job so I feel super super lucky to be able to to do that you know to you know talking earlier about being so busy I'm very lucky to be that busy and I'm very aware of that I think probably more aware of it because I've had another career um beforehand and also you know as I said it was a struggle to get published so um I do feel I do feel lucky to be doing it um but it's a lovely you know now that I am doing it it's lovely I get to come to fabulous bookshops all over the country and meet children in the bookshops meet the booksellers do the festivals you know it's go to schools visit lots of schools and that kind of thing as well as you know sitting here and drawing sausage dogs for a living you know <laughs> what's not to love <laughs> so speaking of sausage dogs I have this notebook oh, oh look at that yeah Speaking cool. of, I've put in the front of it. So this is 2017. I bought this, right? Um, from Foreign Books. It's still got three pounds sixty written on the back. Fabulous. You couldn't buy very one of reason. your books for that now. No, that's very. No reasonable. way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am not in charge of pricing. I just want to put that out there. Please don't blame me. <laughs> not at all. And I've even put in the front of it. I found this this morning. Mm -hmm. Hannah's children's book. So obviously Amazing. everybody has a go. Um, ah, so you've, you've had a go at writing them? I've had a go at writing um, a chapter book. So, uh, yeah, and that was around 2017 when I started, and I probably finished it in 2020. 
Oh, did you? But... And so what? Are you what have you done with it? Have you sent Absolutely it off? Absolutely to... nothing. This is the thing. The hardest bit is pressing send. send I don't even out. know who to send it to because I feel like well, it's not finished. So okay, well I'm going to tell you who to send it to. Okay. So this is the thing people don't know, but the way the way the your road in your route into being a published author is pretty much ninety percent of the time. You know, you get an agent first of all. Yeah. So you send it out to literary agents. You just Google literary agents, children's literary agents. You'll find a load. You send it out to them. They all gam- they they read all submissions. It might take them a few months, um, and then if they like, they see potential. Then you will work with your agent on editing mm-hmm. and um, getting it into shape before they then submit it to publishers on your behalf. And your agent will take fifteen percent of whatever they make for you. But honestly, they do all the negotiating. They do all that kind of stuff. So there are people who are unagented who who make it happen, but. I would say that easily the best way to do it is to send it out to an agent because then you've got someone on your in your corner and someone yeah. to work with. And um, I mean, I think the first time I sent it out, I didn't think it was finished. My first text, I think I sent two texts finished, but they weren't perfect. Um, and it is very scary pressing send. It feels very, yeah, this is your baby, right? You spent years make, writing this and it's very exposing to send it out to somebody. But at some point, if you do really want to become published, you have to take that leap. Something's going to happen. I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's scary. It's very scary. But you should do it. I mean, that's what the vast majority of people who email, they haven't finished writing it. They've started but haven't finished. And then uh, the ones that have are too scared to send it out to anybody. <laughs> so they will send it to me, though, weirdly. They'll send it to me. Yeah, because you've got loads of time. <laughs> I've got loads of time, uh, but uh, but they won't send it to the person that matters, which is an agent or a publisher. Because either way, you need to know whether, you know. I mean, maybe those, that's why maybe they don't do it, because they don't want, they fear, people probably fear being rejected. If it's been a dream for a long time, they don't want somebody to say you're not good enough. Do but you know what? I think there's two fears. One is it's shit. <laughs> the other is it's really good and you're going to be successful and you're going to have to go on the no, is that scary do you not feel oh, that that's terrifying i didn't know about that when i got i did i had no idea about going out on tour thing i literally you... got my i signed my book deal and they told me about a week later right you've got to develop an act and go out on the road and i was like excuse me an act I mean, an act i mean we do if you my my events it's a show it's an hour-long show there's film and there's music and there's all you know it's a proper now it is at the beginning it was much more basic and over the years i've learned what kind of works but i was the i was never i was the kid at school i was never in the plays at school i was never on stage i did the posters for the plays that was my job so the idea of standing on a stage and talking to hundreds of sometimes thousands of kids yeah if you'd have told me that before i'd started this journey i probably would have i maybe i would have sort of not done it as well but actually it turns out it's one of my favourite bits, standing up on the stage. The bigger the audience, the better now for me. And I really love it because I'm talking about what I know, right? Yeah. And also, with me, it does help the drawing, right? So when I draw, I always draw quite early on in my shows. And I think the children children think drawing is a bit of a superpower. So once they see you can draw, <laughs> you're, you've got them on side, right? It's kind of quite cool. Um but yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a yeah. You, you do, you do. You know, you have to go out on tour. But if you're, what's your, what age group are you writing for? Adults or children? 
I've got two actually. So one book I'm writing is called How to Divorce Sober. So that's my non-fiction oh, okay. memoir. Okay. And then right. the book that I had written, which was part of the process of helping me get through those last few years of marriage. Um, yeah. That one is um, like mid-grade. Right. So, yeah. Well, quite often the middle grade, middle grade books, and certainly your um, your the divorce, the divorce kind of uh, help help book. Um, you would the your event would be much more kind of like this, just a conversation, like Q and A on stage, which is fine, right? That's not scary. That's fine. I'd be really happy if I was sitting on stage with somebody just chatting away like this. Yeah. Fortunately for me, for picture books and for my middle grade books that never that never happens it's just me on stage doing the thing but honestly i love it and you do this podcast and you're great at talking to people you'd be you'd be a total natural shouldn't be scared of that do you not get stage fright weirdly no no <laughs> i know it's really weird i cannot believe i'm saying this to you because i i mean when i was working in magazines they asked me to you know go to conferences and talk to people and i always said no because i was like I'm not interested. I don't want to be up on the stage. But now I'm I'm on such a massive show off. I love it. <laughs> I really do. But I think it's because I have my show, my my show. I've got it. I know it so well. I know the funny bits. I know when the punchline's here. And I've got my PowerPoint up on a big screen behind me with all my slides. So I'm kind of, and that helps because all the eyes are usually on that. I've got so many illustrations and funny pictures of me when I was a kid and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That that sort of takes the pressure off me a bit. And because I've been doing it for so long and I know, you know, my act changes every year a little bit with the books, but the thrust the main sort of thrust of it is pretty much the same. And um so I feel very you know, before I go on stage, I feel confident that they're gonna like it. You know, I really do, because they have done yeah. for the past several years. So um so I, I really like like it, honestly. It's great. I think as well, it's being a, totally aligned with what you want to do. Like what you were saying before about you wanted this creative outlet because that's you. And so because yeah. you're on it, it then makes talking about it and connecting with people so much easier. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If I had to go on tour and talk about, you know, the, you know, the Cold War, or something, <laughs> it might be a different kettle <laughs> of fish. But I'm talking about I'm talking about stuff, you know, I know and it's all about me and my life and my career and so yeah as you can tell I'm quite I talk a lot about myself <laughs> I'm quite good at it well I don't know if I am good at it but I think you're all right I talk a lot <laughs> did you have to go through a process of being like oh I'm a show-off um we did we just like yeah it's fine no really no I don't I don't know if it's showing off I mean that's kind of I say it's I say it's called showing off because that's how yeah. I feel it is. Well, because when you're a kid, you know, when you get yeah. pulled up and like, stop being a show off and I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, but yeah. I am. Well I, I use the word I said earlier, didn't I? I said I'm a turns out I'm a big old show off. But I guess it's just you know, the kids want to know, you know, my late the late the show that I'm doing starting this autumn is basically because you have to think of ways of um sort of structuring the show. So it's because I like to have a beginning, a middle and then and an end. So the way I've structured this one is I basically answer, answer the five questions that I get asked the most because I get sent emails every day and I get lots of letters and, um, you know, school events, hands go up. So I basically worked out what the five most popular questions are and I've managed to structure my show around that and make it quite funny, you know, and that kind of thing. 
you know, the, for for example, the first question that I, the most popular question I get asked, kids just say, "Where's Ringo, my dog?" Because Ringo, Ringo makes Ringo. little appearances. Where's Ringo? Why haven't you bought Ringo? They basically like Ringo much more than they like me. So I have this whole bit at the beginning about you know, but um, yeah. So it's it's sort of I don't I thought I feel like I'm just giving them what what they want. You know, yeah. they what they want, they want to know where Ringo is. They want to know what pens I use in my videos. They want to do a draw along with me live, which we always do a draw with an episode of Draw with Rob live, which is great. And um, and then I read them read them one of my stories, and I tell oh, they want to know how I got this job. So I have this whole bit of you know with pictures of me when I was their age and drawings I did in their age, and this you know it's all very self deprecating and taking the mick about myself really, and they love that. But I think it, I'll tell you what really helps with the live stuff. And you won't even know that you're good at it, but you will be good at it. Children's parties, right? If you had loads, I bet you've had loads, you've had a house full of like 30 kids at some point and you're playing Many parts times. of Many times, right? So you know how to talk to groups of children. You just do. Because I, that's honestly, I am so used to taking the mick out of all my, my daughter's friends at parties and stuff. And you work out, you don't talk down to children you just sort of i always treat them like adults you know i sort of rib them and take the mickey out of them and kids love that and so you will be i bet you'll be you would be really really good at it because because you've had lots of practice whether you know it you realize it or not i'm full of admiration for children's authors that go out on tour that don't have children you know they might be in their 20s and yet they're still really good at it because i don't think i would have been pre-children I wouldn't have been anywhere near as good as I am with with uh, talking to kids as I am as a result of having children of my own. Do you not think children's authors maybe never grew up <laughs> a little bit? Oh yeah, because I totally. still feel like I'm a little bit twelve. Yeah, totally. My, I'm to I'm a I'm a definitely I am like ninety percent ten year old. Still, yeah, definitely. like I was at you know, a kids that's... party yesterday, and I literally spent the whole time in soft play. Yeah, and yeah. whenever I'm on the beach, I always end up with like a gang of kids all digging in the yeah. same direction. And <laughs> I was we we were out on Saturday night. We went to a friend's house for dinner, and um, we didn't have our my girls didn't want to come. Of course, they didn't. They're like fourteen. They're so old. They didn't want to come. But there, but my uh, there was two other couples there, and they've got younger kids. And so the kids were all there playing football in the garden, and the grown ups were talking about you know their big jobs in the city and all that stuff i was playing football with the kids you know yeah. that's what that's 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 what i like but definitely you i mean i think in order to write for children as well you have to be able to tap into that that part of your your brain the, you know the part of your brain that is five or ten years old you know mm -hmm. and that's just what you have to do and i don't think there's anything i don't think there's anything wrong with that my dad's like that my dad's still like that he's like a big kid and you know i think it's great oh definitely it's much better than being a grown-up yeah, grown-ups rubbish. But you do still have to, because I'm thinking about Odd Dog Out, and um, so that's probably the first time I came into contact with your books, and it wasn't because of Tom Hardy. Oh, really? It was before... Really? You say that. You it was say before that. he read it on CBBC. <laughs> right, okay, okay. My wife is still so cross with me about that. She's like, why could I not get an invite to the filming? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? I was like, I didn't. Well, I knew he was doing it, but they didn't. I wasn't allowed to go to the filming. I'm really sorry, but um. I mean, how yeah. cool is that? It's pretty cool, isn't it? It is pretty cool, and he read it so brilliantly, 
to the point where now when I read it at my events, I try and you do. Try and sound like him. I try and replicate kind of his cadence. You know, if I can't replicate what he looks like, unfortunately, but I can replicate his kind of cadence. Um, but yeah, it was very cool. And I've had, I think I've had five, like five of my books be CDs, bedtime stories. Actually, happy, Tom's read two of, of mine. He's it's not quite all of them, but Tom has Tom because I call him Tom because yeah. like we are, yeah, we are mates. We've had we've had a bit of banter on Instagram, so I think that means we're mates, right? Uh, he's read two of mine. He's read Odd Dog Hour, and I did a Christmas Odd Dog book called An Odd Dog Christmas. Perfect. He read that as well a couple of years ago. Um, and I've also had Chris Kamara, um, you know, the football. Yes, yes, yes. I've seen that one as um, well. You've seen that one, yeah. and I've uh, had uh, Mark Bonner, uh, who's an actor, and Rick Astley read one of mine. That was quite fun. <sighs> the um, but none of the, I mean, I must say, Tom's, Tom, my friend Tom's delivery is on point He's so very, are very... you planning an odd dog out easter halloween <laughs> what else yeah. can we have some Basically, holiday just my so wife, we can get my mom, yeah my wife is home. telling me just write odd dog out books just in case i get to go to the filming one day um i don't know i know i probably won't do any more odd dog books actually but um, oh, yeah, the tom, tom hardy factor was huge it was a big deal you know people mums i will i'm gonna say it lots of mums got to know my books because of the tom hardy stuff but that's fine, that's fine but right? genuinely i didn't I, it wasn't him okay. <laughs> I, believe you. I did i mean i've got this from and i, I think yeah. the date i've put in here is the 21st of march 2017 right. so that's before yeah. he was on that is before so, okay right but yes that's... i um yeah i think reading that book um I don't know it just kind of blew my mind because it was so there was such lovely messages in it that I just wasn't expecting so the whole thing around it felt like you were dealing with prejudice racism how yeah. to be yourself all in one like small yeah. amount of words well like, that was that that was yeah that was kind that was the idea really it started it started very again like, yeah, where did life. how did it start? Was it theme, character, or I need it to tell a story start. about racism? <laughs> it, it was. It was. I tell you what. In my head, it was. It wasn't really racism so much as like homophobia. Actually, that's why I gave oh, the dog okay, the name okay. about his scarf. I think. But it was. It was. It was. It was about. I'll tell you how it started. Poppy, youngest, again when she was starting, first starting at school, maybe in maybe in year one by this point. There was a big, there was a big to do about packed lunch boxes, right? About three of her friends had the same packed lunch box. I can't remember. I think maybe Dora the Explorer or something like that. And uh, Poppy had a different one, and she was very upset about this. She wanted the same as everyone else so that she could be part of the gang and fit in. So I sort of sat there and said, "Do you know what, Poppy? It's much better to be yourself. You know, blaze your own trail. Be who you are." And you don't need to, you don't need to, you know, just follow the crowd, you know, be yourself. And I was like, this is, the, that's a really, really important message for children, right, at that, that young age. And um, and so I decided, yeah, I decided to put it into a story. Uh, and I decided quite early on that it was going to be set in a world that was entirely populated by sausage dogs. Now, that's the, that's the slight <laughs> leap, right? I don't know why that, I think I just liked drawing sausage dogs, right? And I just thought that's a good good thing to do and then pretty soon the title came odd dog out i thought well that's a nice catchy title mm -hmm. and um and then the story really is occasionally you have it that the story just 
comes really, really quickly and really easily. It just sort of pours out of you. Sometimes it takes, you know, six months to write a text that takes, you know, five minutes to read. It's, you know, getting the rhyme working and everything. But Odd Dog Out came very, very quickly, mm-hmm. which I think is, is a good sign. And yeah, it really has resonated with, out of all of my books, that's the one I think that's resonated with the most people. I was in Russia. I did, in 2018, so before all this horrible stuff, I did a tour of Russia. I went to Moscow and St. Petersburg and book festivals and schools and things in Russia. And I was at the Moscow Book Festival with Odd Dog Out. I did a reading of it for, with, with parents of the kids. And then we did a signing afterwards. And I had this huge signing queue. And interestingly, there was lots of, there were some kids in the queue, but there was lots of adults. And, um, and it turns out there was quite a lot of gay people in my queue who really were saying to me you know with tears in their eyes you don't understand how important this book is for mm-hmm. us and for our children because to be gay in russia is not i don't think it's illegal to be gay but it's certainly illegal to be demonstrative of the fact that you're gay mm-hmm. and so my book really skated a kind of it was a it was a thin line between it being published and it being banned because it wasn't overtly pro-gay enough to get banned but the message in there whether it's you know I, I you know whatever it is that people think it's about it's about difference right it's about points it's about the, the fact that it's not bad to be different it's more important to be who you are whether that's to do with your race or your gender or your sexuality or whatever it is it's about accept acceptance and honestly i my wife was with me on that tour and both of us were in tears at the end of this festival because so many people were just saying it's so important. And, you know, you write these books with these messages in them and you hope that it lands with people. But, you know, it works on both levels. Some people just think it's a nice story about sausage dogs, you know, but you hope that it lands and see it land in such a such a such an extraordinary way over in Russia was was incredible. And it makes makes the whole thing. It makes everything so so gratifying you know and worthwhile to think that you are doing something no matter how small to help people be who they are it's a, it's a lovely thing so it's lovely to hear you to hear you saying that you had that reaction to the book too because it means it makes me think oh it works you know yeah and everybody yeah. can take their own version of what it means to them yeah 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 definitely yes yeah, yeah really good um <clears throat> so to sort of coming t- towards an end, because thank you so much for coming and chatting to me. Okay, but um, do, what do you think was the hardest thing you've had to come like overcome? I guess you could it could be through your publishing career, but also I guess life, parenting. It sounds like you've had a few challenges within. Had a few challenges. Had a few challenges. Um, well, parenting and parenting and relationships they're really tricky they can be really tricky can't they you have to really work through them I'm very lucky uh, that Ali my wife and I have had I mean we had a we had a very difficult start to our relationship because Ella my oldest is so she's my stepdaughter so Ali had Ella when I met her and um, she was in you know various kind of tricky situations with relationships and that kind of thing so it was quite a sort of difficult and slightly messy start to our relationship and because um there was a child involved at the beginning there was i had obviously a really 
liked my wife, but there was quite a few kind of commitment issues, I think, at the beginning. I was quite young. I'm going to be younger than her. I was quite young. And if I was going to commit to this relationship, then I really had to be sure that I was able to commit 100% because there was a child involved, yeah. right? And so, so that's probably, in my life, the most difficult part of my life, I'd say, when I first got together with my wife. Um, of course, once I then did manage to commit fully to this relationship, it was everything suddenly became very easy again, you know, so I was kind of like, you know, I was, I was, it was me versus myself in that kind of situation. Um, uh, and it was tricky, and it was tricky, we, you know, you still have every, every relationship, we, you have ups and downs, you know, I've got three daughters of quite, you know, it's quite a wide age span there, so it's like, you know, and they each have, you know, children like everyone else, each child is different, each child has their own little foibles and own kind of challenges. Um, but we've been very lucky with our kids and we've managed to kind of steer them through life so far pretty pretty well but i just think life is a one big challenge right it's one big kind of series of obstacles that you have to overcome and somehow maintain your sanity and your happiness as well as your career and you know your ambition and that kind of thing um yeah. i think my wife and i we're, we're a quite good team you know when i first left the observer newspaper which i had this really good job on the observer and i've been there for 10 years but i decided i wanted to take the leap to do children's books full time my wife uh was freelance she's a journalist too she's the editor of just 17 that's how i met her but she's a freelance journalist she took a full-time job having been freelance for a long time in order for me to sort of switch so i would do the school runs and, and look after the kids and that kind of thing at while I was working at home on the books and she would take a full-time job. So it's been quite a nice, we've sort of dovetailed quite nicely in terms of careers and childcare and that kind of thing. Um, sort of by design, but also sort of by luck really as well. And um, and it's kind of worked, you know, touch wood so far, it's worked quite, quite well. Um, and yeah, I'd say that beginning part of my relationship with my wife was the trickiest part of my life much trickier you know you then compare that to trying to get a book deal which at the time seems huge and you know i have had many days of despair that it's never going to happen and that kind of thing because in a way with me it was harder being so close getting very close to being published early on and then not being published for years yeah. was worse than just getting straight no i think but i think when i compare that to you know the difficult decisions you have to make at the beginning of a your relationship with with a child involved it sort of pales into insignificance really so yeah. and do you have any so you've got older kids than me now any parenting advice like i'm pretty scared about having a teenage girl i'll tell you that i've got any parenting advice i mean you know the, it sounds very very obvious but just keep a keep a dialogue open with your children at all time you know all times you know we try and you know, I don't. How old are your kids again? So yours. yours I've are... got an eleven-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. So has your eleven-year-old started at secondary school? He's just started. Just started. Um. So did you give the big? Did you give? Has he got a mobile phone? He's got he a does, phone now. Yeah. So he did. Has he had a phone for a little while? He got it for his eleventh birthday. Oh, okay. So same, same as us. As got the phone when they went to secondary school, mm -hmm. which I think is very important that they don't have a phone before that because you know then they're they're sort of in this other world right but but secondary school you know our kids 
10, 15 minutes, no, half an hour journey to secondary school. We wanted them to have a phone, you know, for the journey to school and stuff. And then it's just about trying to manage their, I mean, the trickiest thing really these days with parenting is their online life, right? Yeah. Versus real life, you know, you really, uh, I, I don't have any magic magic answers to how you how you police that. But we were very much like, right, the phone stays downstairs when you go to bed mm -hmm. at night, you know, that kind of thing. Um, because we have had one or two instances with my older two, especially of, um, not, it's not bullying exactly, but like, particularly seems to happen with, I don't have any boys, so I don't know what it's like with boys, but with girls, there's a lot of friendship issues that happen at school where somebody gets left out and blah, 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 blah. blah. So we've, yeah. we've had a lot of that. But as I say, keeping a dialogue open and just being very open with them, and hopefully they are they they are trusting of you in it enough to kind of confide in you when there are these problems. I think that's the best thing you can do: just try and be there for your kids, which everyone tries to do, right? But then, mm -hmm. um, I don't it's know. a balancer, isn't it? You're like, right, I'm really throwing myself into work, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, I haven't cleaned any clothes and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a packed lunch that I've forgotten about, or apparently it was swimming yeah. oh. today. And oh, that right, that happens all the time, right? That happens all the time, and that's yeah. normal. And that's a kind of a, you know, the, I guess the key is to not blow those things out of proportion and give yourself too much of a hard time about all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. I guess. Um, but I don't know. We just, you know, we're all just doing the best that we can, right? And you know, at the end of the day, you just want your child to be happy to be socialized to, you know I kind of think you know I have friends who are really they're proper like helicopter parents they're like always like on the shoulder of their child like do this do that and it's tut they're tutored to within an inch of their lives when they're kind yeah. of like 10 years old or whatever and you kind of I do I mean great each to their own but I kind of think it's all very well being very you know you know maximizing it and how, how good you're going to be at maths and at English and that kind of thing but it's much more important, I think, particularly at primary school age, to be socialised, to have friends, to know how to talk to people. And I kind of almost think that all the way through school, actually, one of the main things that you learn and one of the main jobs of a parent is to make their child a nice, kind, you know, thoughtful person that goes out into the world, you know. Because no matter how much tutoring and what how brilliant school that you go to is and what how brilliant your exam results are and whether you get into a red brick university at the end of the day you're going to be doing a job with other human beings and people will judge you on the things that you say and you do and the way that you act you know so i think that's our main job as parents to you know make decent human beings <laughs> all you have to do is to make a decent human there you go job done Tick. <laughs> Tick. Read Rob's books to them and that'll help as well. That's what you should do. That's what I should have said. Yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> How to be a good parent. Just read all of my books. Read my books. I've put all the pearls of wisdom into them. They have. They have. They're all distilled. All wisdom distilled into my little books about sausage dogs and penguins. There you go. Well, so you've got Peanut Jones out. Is it the end of the week? Do you like my pencil? That's so good. Oh, is that one of those ones with the multicolored? Yeah, it's got a multicolored. Yeah, um, obviously, I've never used it, God forbid. No. <laughs> but um, I'm very much looking forward to the third installment. Uh, third and final one. Yeah, you're out. right. It's out this Thursday. Yes. At the time of recording. 
is Thursday coming? Means that this is going to go out tomorrow. Oh, is it? There we so go. Then. It's out in two days' time. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's uh, this year. It's the final instalment of the the trilogy. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what people think. I'm excited about that. Whether you know, you always worry that you won't stick the landing with these things, especially when the book's been, you know, a popular book. The first two books. Um, Mainly down to me. I have hand sold so many copies of that book. Really. <laughs> I actually, I did, I did hear that it was mainly down to you. So I do. Know, yeah. I do, so I you're welcome. Yeah. Even the oh, other day, I went into um, the bound with Nancy to go buy a book, and then a woman was like looking around, and she was, and I was like, "You okay?" I wasn't working. I was just in the shop, and she was like, "I'm just trying to find some books for my kid." Um, she's like, "She's just turning ten and I was like, "Well, get these two and it was like the first two of yours. <laughs> Oh, you're, that's so amazing. I mean, booksellers are just the best people ever. In my experience, I, I think I've ever met a, a not lovely bookseller. They're such nice people. I always think bookshops are, seem like the nicest ever place to work, personally, I think. Um, but that's what I would like to do. If I wasn't doing this job, I think I'd go and work in a bookshop. Go work in a bookshop. Yeah, it is lovely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for hand-selling my books. You're very, very Thanks. welcome. It's a pleasure. And it's genuine. Like, I wouldn't... <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't try and handle them rubbish, I suppose. No way! Yeah. I've read plenty of them, and I'm like, don't get that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate speaking to you, Rob. And My pleasure. Thanks should, for having me. I should say thank you to Louise, who's a mate of mine from years back, who you were on her thing called What Need where feed oh yes yes and that's how the yeah. link happened because she oh, had tagged me in a thing saying that she'd found peanut jones because of me obviously uh, <laughs> because of you there you yeah, are and then so, yeah. yeah help this connection happen so i'm really appreciate for that little bit of divine intervention that's very fun i feel much yeah well thank you ever so much all right then thank you so much for listening and i'll see you again next time for another episode of happily ever after with me hannah it would be amazing if you could leave a review and subscribe and of course if you've got a friend who might enjoy this episode please do pass it on for anything else you can get in touch with me through instagram at mumsdays or by my website uh, mumsdays.com and did you know that i've got a newsletter so it's the best way to stay in touch and to make sure you don't miss any podcasts or any freebies or competitions that we're running. And again, you can sign up to that through the website.